0: Welcome back to Series 2. It's great to have you here. Now, over the next few weeks, we have some incredible guests lined up, from Kirsty Wark, Charlene Spiteri, Jenny Faulkner and Kay Adams to some of the biggest hitters in the business world. And today, we're smashing into our series launch with two inspirational women, tennis coach Judy Murray and architect Diana Borland. She's done wonders for women in sport, and in fact, wonders for women in general. Judy has 64 national titles to her name. She's dedicated her whole life to the sport, and in 2017, she was awarded an OBE for services to tennis, women in sport, and charity. Now she's the trustee of the Judy Murray Foundation, which aims to make tennis accessible to disadvantaged young people in Scotland. Fellow philanthropist Diana Borland is the MD for Sanderson Borland and Harrison Hunt. Her company's corporate social responsibilities are at the very heart of her business. She promotes volunteering and is currently working on two school building projects, one in Scotland and one in Nepal. She is also a former Commonwealth swimmer, just to throw that into the mix. Today, we start by celebrating International Women's Day with the launch of Royal Bank's new £20 note, which features a prominent Glasgow businesswoman and unsung hero, Kate Cranston. She was a businesswoman and philanthropist, the woman behind the Willow Tea Rooms. We have a look at the new design and hear some interesting facts about her life. But really, today is about finding out what drives these women to act selflessly and give so much to others. We will hear their advice on starting out with philanthropy and finish with some selfie tips for Judy would you believe? She recently hit the headlines with a major Insta blunder and in the spirit of helping others, well, I thought I'd pass on some of my selfie skills. Selfie-lessly skills. No, it doesn't really work, does it? (laughs) Are you making a positive impact on the life of others? If not, then today might just inspire you to dig deep. Judy Murray and Diana Borland, it is so nice to have you both here. A very warm, warm welcome to you both. Thanks for coming. You're
1: welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Well,
0: this is such a special occasion for us because not only are we launching the second series of the Ask More podcast, but it's come just around International Women's Day, which is something that is very dear to me. And I always make a point of, of celebrating. Um, Judy, I'm just wondering... If you if you mark the day every year, is it a big deal for you? Is it something that you celebrate? You must always have events on.
2: Yeah, there's there's always something going on. I mean, this year in tennis, my events are always linked to to tennis. And this year we're launching a campaign with the Girl Guides oh, really? to train some of the guides to deliver starter fun tennis to the Brownies and Rainbows. So it's a kind of leadership come activity. Programme, so it's very exciting,
1: but yeah,
0: always have something. You're teaching them how to essentially coach others, which is exactly. And Um, what about yourself, Diana?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that International Women's Day came as a new. Realization um, of that even existed a couple of years ago. And I think it was when I opened up my business as well, and realizing actually what I'm doing is quite unusual. So, since we've opened up every year, we encourage um, a young girl to come in and work with us and see what we're doing and celebrate that day. And she usually comes in and we talk about the architecture, talk about business. Um, that kind of thing. So
0: um, I love that for both of you. It's very much about passing something on, yeah. which I think is the, a really important ethos to have in life in general, and something that you know I find really important about International Women's Day is about connecting with other women, and those are the kind of events that I like to to go along to. But this year, it's each for equal. It's that's the theme for International Women's Day 2020, and it got me thinking about the things that I would like. To see being a bit more equal, and I wondered what you might say. You know, what 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 kind of things do you think we need to change for women in the world, Judy? I think in in my world of
2: sport, I think what I would like to change, uh, or like to see happening for sure, is more women in the key decision making positions. Uh, they tend to be very male dominated, mm-hmm. and men will always think and act on behalf of men because that is their world. That's perfectly natural. But we need women to influence things on behalf of other women because it's, it's our world and we were once girls, so we know what girls want. We know the environment in which we can thrive, so we're far more likely to, to create that. So, yeah, for me, um, more women at the top of the tree in sport influencing change for women.
0: I mean, it seems like across the board, yeah. we could just do with more women in, in senior positions or management positions. Absolutely. What about yourself, Diana?
1: Oh, I'm um, the exact same. I mean, coming from a construction design industry. Oh, very male-dominated. Very, very yeah. male-dominated. And you walk in the room and it's a big intake of breath and um, a sea of usually blue suits. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see more women coming through in the architecture field and getting up to the top.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was always the gender pay gap, which yeah. I've focused on a lot over the last couple of years and was uh, helping to launch the Gender Pay Gap Action Plan for Scotland. So it's great to see that Scotland are trying to make change um, and lead the way. Um, you know, f- working in media, I have hated finding out afterwards when I've maybe begged bosses for, for um, you know, salary rises or just a bit more money yeah. and realising. Probably not that, yeah, really yeah. not that much more, Really that much more. And feeling like I'm selling myself I'm begging them. And uh-huh. to find out afterwards that male counterparts who were actually doing much less were being paid much more it's soul destroying and I find that you know if we want to create an equal society we absolutely do need to be paying people uh, the same amount for, for for the same work and make sure that people are rewarded for the efforts that they that they put in do you think there's any other ways that we could make life better for women in general I think one of the things that
2: I've got more involved with recently and it really comes from an understanding of you know, the quickest and easiest way to get good at something is to work alongside somebody who's already good or great at mm-hmm. what they do, whatever level and whatever area that, that mm-hmm. is. And I think it's this women supporting women. And I think that if we could all identify as someone that we could kind of put our arm around and mentor or take and give some work experience to share advice, be a sounding board to, you know, whatever that is. Um, because often it is lack of confidence in ourselves that stop us from taking that first step to doing something so if you had somebody a bit older and a bit more experienced who said yep come on i'm right behind you i'm with you or prepares you for it i think that would help an awful lot so i think we can all do something where whatever it is we do wherever we live whatever age we are we all have something that we can pass on to someone else
0: a bunch of women might listen to this and they want contact you to be a mentor <laughs> for them. Yeah. She just
2: said, <laughs> yeah, all be up. <laughs> "If you want a good forehand, yeah. I'm your person."
1: <laughs> I think it's all about support, supporting each other. You know, there's this thing in the past where you know w- women compete with each other, and I think that's all stemmed from because there wasn't the seats at the table. Yeah, and it's been created cultures created that we have to fight each other to get to that to that seat. So it's about time that you know we really need to create our own seats and just push in and support each other
0: i'm on board i'm loving this yeah, yeah i absolutely. Agree.
1: Um, i think
2: in anything that i've done in tennis recently in terms of building a bigger and stronger female workforce mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. i've noticed is that all of the conferences or workshops or events that i've put on that are just for women you don't find egos in the room and you mm-hmm. find much more willingness to network and share mm-hmm. so i'm a huge believer in the power of women coming together because mm-hmm. on our own we can't influence too much. Mm-hmm. We can influence, but mm-hmm. we can't influence as much as we can if we have a, an army of like-minded people around us because if we're bound by a common passion or cause for something, yeah. we will bind together and oh. we will make things happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big believer in... All women Working
0: opportunities. Oh, we've got yeah, a Judy, Judy Murray army <laughs> that's coming together. We're going <laughs> to take no, to the streets, <laughs> tear down the system. Colonel Murray. <laughs> yeah, I, like I love it. it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mentioned this day is very special for, for a number of reasons. And one of them is that next week on Thursday, the Royal Bank are launching a new £20 note that's featuring Kate Cranston. Amazing. She is an incredible woman. She um, is the founder of the Glasgow well, the Whittle Tea Rooms, which mm-hmm. are obviously Charles Rennie McIntosh. Have you been into the tea rooms? Yeah. Yeah, they're gorgeous,
1: aren't Absolutely they? Absolutely amazing. You mentioned you love an afternoon I tea. I am an
0: afternoon tea fan. In
2: fact, if there is such a word, I am a cakeist. So, yeah, I've oh! been in the
0: Willow Tea Rooms.
2: Uh, yeah, not for a little while, but yeah, I have mm. been in several times.
0: I mean, they're just so beautiful. And the reason that it's so significant is just how much change she inspired. Because at the time, you know, the kind of 1830s, women needed male chaperones to, to go out. So, we're always so dependent on men. And she created this incredible incredible. incredible environment where women were able to go and socialise and it has it really did change the landscape for for women at the time so um it, it means a lot to see these unsung heroes being featured now um it certainly does to me what what are your thoughts judy well, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love
2: the way that she thought out the box. She was, she understood the world according to women. She wanted to make changes. And she was brave enough to take that first step and make something happen. So, yeah, it's a wonderful initiative. Mm-hmm. I want one of those £20 notes. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah.
0: we'll see if we can sort you out with
1: one before you leave. Yeah. And I came from I came from the other side. So I was studying architecture, being from Glasgow. Charles Rennie McIntosh was who I was born and brought up with really and going to the art school and doing drawings and to find out a way back then that actually his client for the Willow Tea Rooms was a woman and that was that was mind-blowing to me to think back that was in the 1830s 1840s and something we take for granted you know much like you Judy love a scone love a cake tea and cake you know I'm meeting my mum afterwards in town for tea and cake. Neither of you look
0: like you enjoy tea and cake (laughs) as much as I do. (laughs) Everything in moderation. Yeah. Everything in moderation. <laughs> and exactly we take intense. that for
1: granted, but that was this was the strong Glasgow woman mm-hmm. who who made this change back then. And I mean, I and love- we can do that now. We can walk freely and go to yeah. Somewhere and also have, we have it's businesses, quite, and and yes. and actually, the, the 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 biggest
0: link here is that she was a huge philanthropist. She did so so much to inspire change and to help other women, mm. and you know that's a great connection between the three of you, which is why you know I'm so so delighted that you've both joined us today for this. um Judy, for instance, I have been reading up so much about the Judy Murray Foundation. Where did it come from? Where did the the idea come from to set up the foundation, and what what's its purpose? What's its objective?
2: Well, I think quite some years ago, like maybe around 2014, I really wanted to ensure that there was a legacy from Andy and Jamie's success in Scotland. So suddenly we had Grand Slam champions from Scotland, which I don't think anybody would ever have imagined we would have. <laughs> and they were creating huge profile around tennis. Everybody was talking about it. People mm-hmm. are watching tennis in the pubs, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoever would have thought that would happen And in Scotland. Glasgow, yeah, of all places. Yeah. It was amazing. And I thought, gosh, there needs to be a legacy from this. But I was very aware as a Scottish tennis person all my life that, you know... There are hardly any tennis courts in state schools. There are less in public parks than there ever were before because you lost them because people weren't using them. they are big spaces that were valuable for whether it was other sports or whether it was for retail or apartments or car parks or whatever. And once you lose them, they're gone. So suddenly we had this boom in tennis. but We didn't have enough places to play for people who just wanted to try it. And neither did we have a workforce Mm -hmm. that could show people how to play. So I set about building a workforce. I thought, well, I can't build courts all over the place, but I can build a workforce. So I got a van. Uh, I created a program called Tennis on the Road. So it's mm-hmm. basically the van on the road, oh, and I took beautiful. it into mainly rural and disadvantaged areas to take tennis to people who might not normally have had the chance to try it. So areas for it's, it's like tennis, like the didn't bus, exist. you know,
0: the, the, the libraries that would come to yeah, people. And, yeah, a bit like that.
2: But our focus was on finding people within the local communities that we could teach to teach others. So whether that was um, parents, grandparents, teachers, students, fifth- and sixth-year pupils at school who were maybe doing PE hires, youth leaders, coaches of other sports. So we built a workforce, and, and it's also you know in many of those areas there isn't opportunity and I'm a great believer in there's talent everywhere but there isn't opportunity everywhere absolutely so you need to go in and create the opportunities and why shouldn't they have the same opportunities as everybody else but you also need to make it affordable Mm -hmm. and accessible so if you invest in the local community and build your workforce there they will make things happen for the others on their doorstep so that was that was how I started and a couple of years ago I morphed that into the Judy Murray Foundation and that's what we do we have projects in different parts of the the country, but it's always targeting rural or disadvantaged areas, and we spend two to three years in a project area, networking the whole of the local community and maximizing if there are public courts or mm-hmm. a tennis club because we want everything to lead to tennis. But it's the other benefits that it, that it brings out with tennis. It's the you know sport can change lives thing, you know all the skills that come from being part of a mm-hmm. sports club or a sports mm-hmm. group or a team. Mm-hmm. or being active I mean we've got a huge obesity crisis so getting families out and getting them active together mm-hmm. that intergenerational bonding that is disappearing because of all the screen time that, mm-hmm. that people spend yeah, on yeah. screens nowadays yeah, so creating
1: on a community isn't it? absolutely yeah. it's
2: sense of belonging it's, it's all sorts yeah. of things so although it's tennis and see the other thing for me that I've always hated about tennis is it's always tagged with this elite image that it's yeah. for people who yeah, have you know money. I have
0: to admit yeah. when I was growing and up I wanted I was... to smash that yeah. yeah. I, I did always think tennis yeah. was for the posh kids. You yeah. know, at school because we just, it wasn't something that we really saw as being accessible, and you know, I think it's wonderful the changes that you are seeing. Because when I was reading up about the Judy Murray Foundation, I saw that you have an in- initiative in Clyde Bank, which is just you know in the corner from where where I grew up, and it's lovely to think that kids ha- now have the opportunity to to learn these skills. What sort of transformation have you seen in some of the kids? Have you got you know kids hooked now? Yeah, we've we have
2: got a lot of we've got a lot of kids hooked, but the main thing for us is actually to hook the adults who will teach it because that's where your long-term effect is yeah. by investing in the adults. Often, I mean, it's easy to go in and take kids for a one-off session, mm-hmm. but then it's it has no long-lasting impact. It's one-off session and they get excited. Yeah. But if it doesn't carry on... So I've always gone the other way and gone more on the workforce build and invest in all the adults because yeah. they will make things happen on behalf of the kids. And if we teach them really well to teach our sport in a fun and doable and stimulating and co- colourful way because we have really fun, fun equipment then it's more likely to stay with them. And one of our biggest programmes within our projects is family tennis. So Mm -hmm. it's parents or grandparents and kids that could come with the kids. So, you know, if you play tennis, if you're a child, you're not going to go out and play with another six-year-old. You're going to ask a parent or a grandparent to come play with with you. Mm -hmm. So you're creating a playmate uh, Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. and you're showing the parents how they can help the kids to develop the skills that you need to play tennis they're actually the skills that transfer across all of the sports Mm. but it's getting families active together out in the fresh air um, bonding together spending time together and I mean, I love it. It's the most rewarding thing—the parent or grandparent and child activity you're getting
1: for me. You a lot from giving yeah. back. Oh, I them. love and it. You're, yeah. you're building the family together. Yeah, because you,
0: Cause you see lovely. that they it they kind of if they're interested in doing that. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a similar thing with cooking. You know, if you want people to eat healthier, mm. teaching families how to cook together, and showing them ways of, of preparing meals as a family is a, is a better way of, of creating that sustainability. Really, mm-hmm. um, D- Diana um, yeah. mentioned that you are you're the MD for both a, an architectural practice and. You have a property development yes, company. But yes. what I love about you is that you have instilled this um, this absolute feeling uh, throughout the whole of your firm and both of the firms for philanthropy. And you really... Um, You've tried to create change in people that that work with you and create opportunity for them to get involved with um, philanthropy projects or to volunteer. I'm so so glad that's filtered through and (laughs) you can see that. But I think you're amazing. And and I wonder if you could tell me where that initially came from because you did initially see a lot of CSR activities when you were younger, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, working through practice and being a student and, and working in other private practices, you... It just felt fake, you know. In all honesty, it just, It feels like it was a tick box exercise more than anything, and it, it was tick box for winning projects. And you would hear that people are doing cake sales and all that kind of stuff. And that is all, it, all, it is all good. But, you know, for me, it was about using those skill sets and really bringing, you know, t- put, taking those skill sets and putting them back into. Um, the community, and we don 't have you know and when we set up the practices that 's something i don 't want to do and that was one of the main reasons I set up a practice was to do um, a lot of CSR but like true CSR stuff. We say CSR, corporate social responsibility. I dropped the corporate to make it social responsibility. Yeah. And using our skill set, and you know, we don't have, you know, the business at this at the early stage we're robbing Peter to pay Paul, mm-hmm. but there's other ways of giving back. And we have got a skill set. You know, we studied years at university to get these skill sets and use our architecture. And architecture in particular can create so much change. You know, people have want to do this, want to do that but with our skill set, we can, we can use that, and and create projects um, from from them. One of the ones that really jumped out at me was the
0: NGO that you support in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been incredible for me to, to read up on this because I've also just returned from, from I mean, doing some, I know, I some work that. out in Nepal um, with a charity called Seven Women. I was making a documentary with them and I to know. understand some of the the challenges that you probably have come up against there um, politically, socially. There's a lot of corruption. Um, but you you were tasked or you've been trying to, you were doing a feasibility study for a school, yeah, is that right?
1: Yeah, it was, it was after you know the earthquake in Nepal in 2005. 15 and i i was i had just come back from hong kong i was working in hong kong out there again in private practice and it was just through it was just through a conversation um about how we could i was like can we do something to help with what's happened out in nepal you know there was money not getting through through corruption you know people still living in derelict buildings all that was going on and i thought well could we could could we do something to help out? So you know, it was me that contacted an NGO out there who particularly work on promoting education for young girls mm-hmm. out there. And speaking with them, I was saying what we do, and you know, it was again just a, just a conversation. And um, education is key in building your your skill set and the trades to rebuild. And we ended up going out there, a couple of us, and working out there for eight weeks closely with this NGO called Global Action Nepal. It's all about promoting education and using architecture to create change. Mm -hmm. And we went out there and, you know, much of what Judy was saying um, was a feasibility study. Well, it was was just a conversation, but we ended up doing this study on creating a teacher training centre for the teachers to go out into the rural communities to educate um, young children out there, so with that, it's having the facilities. So although you know we're you know creating a design and building and all the cultural aspects of that, and that took a long time, and speaking to the local community, mm-hmm. um, you're creating a, a sense of place for people to go to to work together. And a lot of this, these teachers are women because the male workforce go to other places mm-hmm. to work in hotels type things. So you know what's left in Nepal is the women. And they wh- say, if you want to educate the population, you have to educate mothers. you have to you know it's the mothers. the mothers that will
0: pass that yeah. on um we We visited a school in Nagacourt and they have a real problem getting getting teachers because the pay isn't great, so the government paid isn't fantastic for, for teachers out there and often they just wouldn't turn up um, I've read that you, you spent two months out there
1: as you've just said mm. but you were living with a family oh, so cute oh gosh that, that that you know it was humbling absolutely yeah. humbling and I think and that, that was through choice as well because to understand what you want to do and build anything or design anything you have to be there with the local community and get into their ethos mm-hmm. get into you know have breakfast with them in the morning you know and then you find out little things like you know the word "dd" means big sister, but that's what younger women would say to an older woman. So the mother, well, like it, it, yeah, so the yeah. mother who was making my breakfast in the morning for me dinner we be called me DD Dee Dee. and I found that funny because actually when I was young because I'm Diana you know yeah. I was called D or Di or DD so it was, it was it was it was it was it was a lovely experience
0: and you notice that women young girls there don't particularly play sport which I thought is interesting it does yeah. feed into the mental health side yeah. of things with, yeah. within sport
1: and within a community that, that that's right so I went over there thinking I'm doing a feasibility study and using our skill set in architecture and design and there was another project out there um, with Global Action Nepal which was called like Sisters for Sisters um, project which was about promoting sport out there because women girls, young girls were not allowed or encouraged mm. to do sport mm-hmm. and especially around puberty you know the girls were not encouraged to even go to school you Absolutely. know it was you know there's all that kind of cultural aspect all around mm-hmm. puberty so this this was something that obviously interested me and because of my sporting background I was just um, saying to you earlier with the whole swimming aspect and swimming is another thing I think that's another step about you know having your body wear mm-hmm. but you know that's that was another thing but what we started going around the schools was showing that you know s- working together, doing sport together, male and female, was also not heard of. So we had been working about creating that. And there's a a fabulous photograph at the end of the eight weeks we were there of... Doing volleyball and there was a girl high fiving a boy. Now we don't think that's a big deal, but that was a massive yeah, a um, breakthrough moment. A breakthrough moment yeah. for us. Really great. Well
0: I mean, you done. Yeah, <laughs> <thanks> <laughs> you. <laughs> you, you've written a lot. You have a column, and you've been you wrote about um, mental health and the link to to exercise, the importance of mm. of exercise for it. Um, you know, obviously, you've and you've recently just returned from Nepal where you've mm. seen the benefits mm. the benefits yourself. I mean, how important do you think it is that we all have a sport in life um that we have something that we do do you think that we need to find our sport or help children find find their sport i I don't think it needs to be a sport i just Mm -hmm. think it needs to be
2: something where you are physically active i mean i think things like dance and music are such big Mm -hmm. parts of kids lives Mm -hmm. now and there's so many great exercise programs that are done to Mm -hmm. music with with Mm -hmm. dance i mean i love going to my zumba class do you yeah because you know it's it's a gang of women uh, <laughs> i would music. love to see her in a
1: Zimba class it'd
2: be great <laughs> it's great you 65
1: titles and she just likes <laughs> her the class i do
2: i do it's a thing but you know it's it's exercise it's fun you're doing it with with mm-hmm. other people uh, you know the music so you know yeah. it's just you know it's nice so i think it's it's there's so many more options for how people can spend their leisure time now Mm -hmm. that I don't think it has to be about actually doing a sport it's find something you enjoy that keeps you physically active Mm -hmm. that becomes a way of life and Mm -hmm. everybody's at different stages of their lives and everybody we all have different body shapes and different aspirations Mm -hmm. and thank goodness if we were all the same the world would be a very boring place but I think you you know you find your thing that you enjoy but staying active and getting a good dose of fresh air,
0: it's really important, so... You've always been very active, though, and I'm wondering... I can say from, from experience that definitely if I'm feeling low or if I'm, you know, going through something, I find exercise really does help. How has it helped you and your mental health throughout the years or over the years? Yeah, I think,
2: I mean, sport has been a big, a big part of my life, obviously, from when I was small. I came from a very sporty family, so it was passed on to me and my two brothers. We passed it on to, you know, our respective families as well. So that's why I believe in the whole Family tennis mm, thing, yeah. this sort of do it together as a family. Mm. But if it starts at a young age, it's likely to stay with you. Yeah. It becomes a way of life, and it, you know it stays mm. with you. But um, yeah, I think that you know any time that I'm feeling a bit tired or a bit down, or you, you just if you're just pissed off with something or mm-hmm. with people or whatever, just go out, and have fre- fresh air on your own or with a, with a friend that you just have light bantery conversation. You can feel so much better just like that. It's I'm not coming about to your Zumba class. Yeah, I come <laughs> to rough. my Zumba class and we'll have coffee and cakes afterwards. You know, everything in moderation, as we said. You've
0: got to balance cake. it up. Zimbabwe you know, exercise
2: <laughs> equals cake. <laughs> now, when
0: we we actually met a little bit earlier, just before we came in to do to record, um, and we were talking about your career, Diana, because you were also a Commonwealth swimmer <laughs> at seventeen, <laughs> which I think is amazing. Because we're commenting on your wonderful physique, because you <laughs> do have some
1: great shoulders. Yeah, great shoulders. Just not judy out the way. Yeah. We'll <laughs> Said the she should to charge me out the way. <laughs>
0: first. But it was your dad that that oh, got you into the sport, wasn't it? Or I
1: really well. You? I mean, dad certainly supporting, mum listening to this. You know, of of course, my mum as well. So, I mean, we just it was again a family thing it always was um just because I quite liked swimming and it just developed from there and enjoyed it and it was the social side it gave so much friends but it also gave so much um social side to my family as well to my mum and dad and my brother and it was just exactly what Judy was saying it's built the family together so again swimming was such a huge part of our lives all our lives and it went from one to another, so I ended up in the Scot you know, Scottish team and then lo and behold I found myself at the Commonwealth Games in Kuala Lumpur in nineteen ninety ninety-eight. For a you know. So know, So my dad, um, God rest his so he's uh, passed away now, but oh, um and I still think about how me- a moody bitch I was every morning <laughs> at four thirty. I wouldn't speak to him. I'd say the car's cold, Dad. Oh. He would have the engine started in the driveway. <laughs> before I was even in the car, you know, (laughs) terrible. But he was not like, you know, I don't know, like Judy will know all about this, like not pushy parent at all, you know. But he was there for me every morning, getting me up. Parents (laughs) need to make things
2: happen. They create the environment for the kids to develop. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you need your parents to be there and be supportive and Mm. they want to help you to continue to improve and enjoy what it is that you're doing and you can't do it all on your own everybody needs somebody which goes back to our women supporting women Mm. thing you know Mm. sometimes to take that next step or first step or the next step or you know whatever it is Mm. we all need somebody to open a door for us at some point don't we otherwise
0: how do we get anywhere exactly Mm. but I mean it just shows you how important parents can be in in, in, in in affecting your life and yeah. you know do you, you might not have you might not have succeeded you might not have gone well, as far as Kuala Lumpur oh, had your de- dad not been there in the car oh definitely you. not definitely
1: not I mean I've got you know have to thank my parents mm. for for giving that opportunity yeah. that they didn't have. Yeah.
0: And, and Judy obviously you have been instrumental in your <laughs> in your son's careers and you know mm. they owe a great deal to you and I hope they know how lucky <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get fabulous Mother's Day gifts. <laughs> You know, but it is, it is wonderful to see how much change uh, and how much impact you've, 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 you've had on them. We actually um, let people know on Facebook that we were speaking to you both and we got a couple of questions and uh, one of them came in from Fa- Simpson on Facebook and she asked herself, um, I'd really like to know how Judy has coped over the years with a lot of negativity directed at her and Andy because it does seem that it's an easy target. And, you know, I remember when we first started watching Andy and people, people were asking, why is he not a bit happier? And I was like, well, he's Scottish. I mean, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> but is, how, how have you coped with that? Yeah, I think that's been one of the hardest
2: things, I think, is getting used to the media mm-hmm. attention. And, you know, I think in terms of something like that, you know, why does he not smile more? Why, why does she sit and pump her fist and never smile in the player box? <laughs> well, it's actually not fun. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really stressful watching Oops. your kids performing on a big stage mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I've always been competitive and I've always been there, you know, when they, from when they were little watching them playing tennis, when you'd be the only one that's there, you know, and so of course they look up and you never give anything other than a positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. but when I, you know, when Andy first kind of burst on the scene, I guess, at Wimbledon in 2005 was when I realised wow, you know, this amount of media attention that he had and that also that we all had as the extended family was something that nobody prepares you for it, nobody tells you how to deal with it and you know, I found that the media printed pictures of me, it was always ones where I was kind of baring my teeth and pumping my fist, so I looked like some kind of demented nightmare parent and so I immediately had a pushy parent tag of from the whole way through and um, I used to read everything that was written about me and I never used to retaliate I never used to do any interviews um, but I was quite interested in, but I could see how people could mm-hmm. Could think that that's what I was like because mm-hmm. that's all they were ever seeing. That when the cameras come to you, is always after a big point, and you're either sitting, being just quite focused, yeah. or you're being quite animated and passionate.
0: Paparazzi waiting outside clubs to catch people coming yeah. out looking, you know, tired and emotional. Yeah. Let's say you know, they, they, it's 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 what it's what the media can do. It's what you know, and it must have been so scary at some points thinking that. That's your your freedom. Essentially, is is yeah, it's just is being a snapshot, isn't
2: yeah. it? You know, and with
1: what you've.
2: I do think that if I'd been. A man. If I'd been the father of boys Mm. instead of the mother of boys, which is quite an unusual Mm -hmm. dynamic in sport, Mm -hmm. I think I'd be. If I'd been the father of sons, I would probably have been seen as a competitive-driven parent. But instead, I was a nightmare, pushy woman. (laughs)
0: But then I think it's great that we talk about this distinction, the difference between being a man and woman in this in in the spotlight. But Mm. I noticed that um, recently you were talking about uh, the the Cromlicks because it's something that you've not necessarily been involved in, but you did try and advise Andy against it. Was that right? You saying uh, (laughs) another podcast? Yeah, that was. Uh, that that was, you know,
2: seven or eight years ago now that Cromlex, which is a, a kind of country house hotel just a couple of miles outside of Dunblane. It's gorgeous. And it would always be the place and, you know, we all lived lived in Dunblane, mm-hmm. um, be the special place, the place you'd go for a you know a birthday or a mm-hmm. christening. He had a chapel, or my mum and dad had their silver and golden weddings there, for example. Mm-hmm. And it had got a bit tired over the years, and eventually it went it went on the it went on the market. And uh, I told Andy that it had gone on the market, and he said, "Oh, I'd quite like to buy that." And I said, "No, you know you wouldn't, you wouldn't." Yeah, I said nobody mm-hmm. lives in houses like that anymore. He goes, "No, no, no, no." He said we wouldn't live in it. He said um, we could run it as a hotel, and I said. Well, I don't know if you could now I said it's kind of falling to bits yeah. it's a bit uh-huh. tired hasn't had uh-huh. much you just a lot of work but, they needed done yeah, yeah. A massive amount of yeah. work they needed done and uh, you know huge and cold and old and uh-huh. whatever and he said no and he said uh, we could run it as a hotel and I said but we don't know anything about the running hotels hotel. <laughs> and he said but you could find
0: out. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. so suddenly it went from we to you. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, so, do you have a lot of input then and, and help with ideas? Because I was amazed to learn that you, you you studied business. Yeah. So you have that background.
2: <laughs> do you have a lot of? I input? studied business years ago, and I never really, I never really <laughs> used it. Um, because, you know, I ended up mm-hmm. becoming a sports coach. You know, I mean, I started mm-hmm. as a volunteer at the local club. I, I gave my job up when Andy was born. And I was a sales rep for a confectionery company, which might explain the sweet tooth connection. <laughs> yeah. But I started as a volunteer doing a couple of hours a week at Dumbling Sports Club. That's how I got started. But mm-hmm. all through school, I thought I would be a PE teacher. Mm-hmm. And I got to the uh-huh. end of my school years and my form teacher in fifth year said, the teaching profession's in a mess. There are no jobs. I'm advising you to go to university and do languages. And I took her advice, but, you know, many years later, I ended up doing what I thought I'd always do. Yeah. should have kind of gone yeah, with my go, gut. Yeah. But that's the thing about the first mm. step. And mm. I was per- perhaps persuaded in the wrong way on that occasion. But mm. you don't have the confidence to go, no, nah, I'm so going do to do mm. yeah,
0: it. It's, it's an interesting one. Well, I do hope that you have someone put to the menu because I've also got a bit of a sweet tooth as well. So Yeah, well, you know. my
2: favourite employee in there is the pastry chef. <laughs>
0: and were they hired upon your approval Was that the- <laughs> no not at all
2: <laughs> not at all no i love i love going up there um you know it's 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 a wonderful thing to have and it does great things for our community. It brings a lot nice. of people into the I town. I didn't know
1: about that. Yeah. I'm going to go up next weekend. <laughs> Come, <laughs> Come and have an afternoon on, tea with no, me. No, yeah, I'd love I'll that. i take my mum along. Yeah. Yeah. I do think
0: it's lovely though that you um, both have experience uh, working with um, well, parent, parents and, and children with, with, with sport and, you know, I think it must be uh, an amazing thing to be involved in. You know, I was always really rubbish at sport. I couldn't even do the egg and spin race and, you know, I think that actually if my parents had been quite athletic Probably would have helped. You want him. a bit of blue tech when you do the egg and spoon race. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I've been going wrong. That's where I've been going wrong. I wonder how you cope with um, with failure. And Diana, is it how how have you coped in your life with 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 failure? How has that
1: affected you? Ah, good question. Failure. Yeah. Um, for me, I take failure quite. Quite hard, yeah, and I have done um over over the years um and then you learn mechanisms to to deal with that, and slowly you think, well, you know it didn't work this time, let's try another way, and then with. And then over over time, you know, you realise that you can talk to people mm-hmm. about failure and talk about things that have happened and and grief. Certainly, that's a it's a big one for me um, with with losing my dad. And you know, you get you start building your network of friends around you to support that. And then you realise that actually, you know, there's that didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, let's try it again or try something different or try a different route. Mm-hmm. You it's not it the end of the world It's not the it? end of the world. But you, it's you know? easier
2: as you get older, older with isn't experience. it? Yeah, to understand yeah. that when you're young it's tough. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Because uh, Judy, you, I mean you strike me as an incredibly resilient person and what's it been like for you? How do you think you've developed that over the years and especially over the years being in the spotlight? Yeah, I think um, you
2: have to learn how to deal with disappointments, mistakes, but I've always seen that as an opportunity to learn and I think all through my journey in sport is all about... um, the bounce back ability and mm. the learning from what has happened and so if, if I look at it in a sporting sense you know if Andy or Jamie were to lose a tennis match when they were younger I never got caught up in the winning or losing uh, because always understood they're young and they're learning and we all that's how we learn isn't it we learn you from making mistakes yeah. you, you have yeah. to fail there's nothing from wrong from with mistakes, failing too, and it it's not the mm. end of the world it's mm. like there'll be another match next week there's you know there's always mm-hmm. something else around the corner but what did you learn from it what do you would you think you need to to be able to do better, what could I help you with? You know, so that they know there's a, you know, somebody there mm-hmm. to help you. To it's not like you're always going to lose in that <laughs> manner to that person, yeah. for example. And you know, you help, you you work on it, and it will be the same in any aspect of life. But that's why I'm such a big believer in having calm, strong, patient, mm-hmm. experienced people around you yeah. to help to guide yeah. you and help to form you. And that's where parents come into their mm-hmm. own, isn't mm-hmm. it? They create that a mother, I think yeah. must
0: be quite hard when like for example, just now andy andy's not playing he's he's got a pelvic injury, is that right mm. um, and people are desperate to know when's he going to play again because <laughs> I think he's not going to be is it the Australian open next month he's had to to pull out of it must be hard. It's, Seeing that, you know, in the public, you know, lots of people asking you questions all the time about your children, like I'm doing to you right now, basically.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Andy's got so many fans um, yeah. out there and everybody wants to know when when, you, when you're going to see him again. And often the answer to that is, I don't know, because you, you don't know, you don't know mm-hmm. how, how long an injury is going to take to... Mm -hmm. rehab or repair itself or what more you might have to go through, you have to, you know, you do your rehab, you go back into training, you start gently, you build it up, you test it out you go into competition, you test it out there and then you see where you're at and then you have to address your schedule of training and competition to create a balance because you can't just suddenly go from having done nothing for a long time into a best of five sets Mm -hmm. at the Australian Open, for example You, you just can't do that, so you have to be really careful and I think especially after everything that he's gone through over the last two and a half years he's not going to rush anything he's going to take his time and make sure his body's absolutely ready before he puts it back in again but it's an incredible physical and emotional uh, challenge for him and this is you know it, when things are tough when there is failure or defeat or disappointment or setback like this this is where the emotional support around you really mm-hmm. kicks in because mm-hmm. you need to know that there are people there who are on the journey with you whether About it's you. going well or whether it's not mm-hmm. going so well and they're they love you unconditionally and they go with you and mm-hmm. again this is where the you know the parent and close friend Network work. really More kicks anything, in because it's yeah. easy when things are going well, mm-hmm. it's easy, nobody mm-hmm. has anything to worry about. But mm-hmm. yeah, we are all
0: lucky to have strong people around us who yeah. form us. Are you, but you both have an incredible support network, but you also both have a great sense of humour. And one of the things Diana and my I, my kids
2: would uh, beg to differ. Really?
0: <laughs> You're just not
2: funny, mum.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think I'm hilarious, but <laughs> I you want anyone else to <laughs> I do too.
0: <laughs> You know what everyone has a sense of humor it might not be to everyone's taste but everyone does have it God what's coming next well we're just gonna we, we spoke very briefly before we came in to record about the other Murray brother which I absolutely adore I think it is so so funny um it's on BBC Scotland it's um with Chris Forbes the comedian who pretends to be your 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 son your other. That's son so Duncan. The one we don't talk about. Love
1: That's it. so funny. <laughs> it's, it's just like also being like anti parent as well. It's yeah. not what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't yeah. have that like yeah. favouritism. Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah. But
0: I do I do notice that um you have a great sense of humour on, on um online, really, and especially you and Andy seem to like quite enjoy taking little digs at each other. <laughs> you know, it's quite funny to, to see on, on Pancake Day, which was just last week oh, earlier this week um we had um I, I did have a look on your social and i saw that you you posted a picture of Andy and it was him serving but it, he had a frying pan that i think you'd photoshopped a frying pan and a pancake in rather than the ball oh, and that's the brilliant <laughs> <I> just <laughs> thought, that's yeah I like, I like that you have a little bit of fun together yeah. um but the one thing that really jumped out was the post that you did um with the oh, oranges, oh, yeah, no. that's
1: so funny, Judy.
0: Oh, Judy, can you just tell us what
1: happened? <laughs> well, I started
2: doing Instagram not all that long ago, and I don't do I don't do a lot on it, and I can't say I've really got to got to grips with it. And I keep posting pictures and forgetting to press the little button in the left hand corner that sizes the picture to fit the Instagram post uh, screen. And Andy has told me about it so many times, and I posted this thing with these. Um, a picture of these uh, oranges, and it said... And and the oranges spelt out hello. And it was how to say hello in Mandarin. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but because I hadn't pressed that's the icon, good. all it came up with was half of an E and two Ls. <laughs> Boy, that's so it, it said absolutely nothing. Right. And he just went on to an absolute, you know, kind of... Um, Whole three paragraphs on how to do this, and how many times he's told me, and he doesn't want people thinking I'm an old stupid woman and all this. stuff and if I do it again, oh. he's unfollowing me.
1: It was hilarious. <laughs> so did he put that publicly yes, as well. Yes, he did that publicly. Oh. So <laughs> it, like it was
0: everywhere, and it's just, yeah. it must be so funny for you. One minute you're posting about oranges, and the next minute you're in the Daily Mail. I mean, what are
1: you, <laughs> you can't uh, win. No. I think that's it. You just can't take yourself too seriously. No, you, know, you can't. It's, you know, laughter is is at the root of everything. But I do I have to
0: say, I'm with Andy a wee bit. I'm sorry, Judy, but what we did, we decided to get you. Actually, both. I know that, Diana, you like a wee selfie as well. So we got you uh, an, an Insta photo booth. So this is for Instagram. <laughs> Thank you so very much. So it's for much. future. You. And we, Thank you. <laughs> so that you can take better pictures for Instagram. Um, but we also, what it. we've decided to do Thank is you. try and redo your photo shoot with you. So I've been playing about with some mandarins and thought we could try and take it in a very Insta-friendly way just uh-huh. so that you know how to do it for future thank you that's very thoughtful well, that was of my you. Pleasure. <laughs> it's a bit like help the age <laughs> thinking of running a workshop yeah <laughs> but you know I love a selfie and I do take a lot and I do spend a lot of time on Instagram so I thought I will I would like to as you coach others and in the interest yeah. of giving and passing on skills I like that oh, women so supporting women you. well thanks yes, I, really, I, I thought really. well I'm so glad you're on board I'm so glad you're on board um, so that's great we will be taking that very shortly uh, but, but just before we round up one thing that we do at the end is get some advice and some tips from you on what you um, on how, basically if there's people listening to this and they would like to do it a bit more and like to try and make impact or create change, what sort of
1: advice would you give them, Diana? I would say, speak up. Is anything any idea that you've got has come from somewhere, and that's come from your gut, mm-hmm. and I would say let's let's start a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what happened with. Or various projects, just an idea. What do you think about this? Get the right people behind you, and go for it. I would just say, be brave, speak up, and then do your research. It's amazing once you actually share an idea that the people what a that do does. come on board. Yeah. yeah, it's just having a chat, and it's amazing what can things can grow from. Arm, arms and legs can grow from that. And what about you, Judy? I think it's about. It's not about what you have; it's what
2: you do with what you have. And I think the other thing is about believing in yourself, because I'm always saying Mm. to younger people, you have to believe in yourself, because if you don't believe in yourself, you can't expect other people to believe in you. And that's where I think the whole mentoring, networking, putting your arm around somebody helps young people to believe in themselves, because you've got somebody who says... I think you can do this. Mm -hmm. That sort of
0: positive enforcement for children is really, really important. Yeah, but they have to
2: feel it themselves, but somebody has to help to instill that because we're all products of our environment. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to the people that we have access to, Mm -hmm. who make things happen for us, who help to form us, who create opportunities, open doors for us. And I think we can all do that for somebody else, Mm -hmm. at least one other person.
0: No, I I agree. I mean, I've I've been so inspired by my recent trip out to Nepal, where, I mean, really I was there to, to, to document um, an incredible organisation, another NGO helping women out there mm-hmm. who are marginalised or disabled. And I've just come back with this huge um, belief that I can, I can make change. You know, I've seen other people do it. And I think there's something really uh, galvanising about seeing someone else um, either starting a charity or launching something, or an, whether it's an initiative or something in their work, that you kind of go, oh, I could do that. You know, and in the best way, you know, oh, well, if yeah. you can do it, I can do it. And I think yeah. that's maybe what, what I've come back with. Um, but just to finally finish everything off, we do we do finish with a wee inspo quote. I'm a big fan of them. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But, uh, Judy, do you have an inspo quote or a mantra or something that you have always held dear to you or you hold in your heart or you tell yourself when you're going into situations?
2: Um, not especially. Um, I think... You know, up to probably about 10 years ago, if you had asked me to stand up in front of any kind of audience and speak, Mm -hmm. I would absolutely have said no. And I just remember somebody saying to me, Probably around twenty twelve Olympics, and I went along and listened to an incredibly inspirational woman who was actually also Scottish, a motivational speaker, and she was all about the art of being yourself and not trying mm-hmm. to be something that you think other people want you to yeah. be. And I had goosebumps up my neck, and I was thinking, that's been me for you know for most of most of my life. And I think what she said to me was actually very similar to what you said, Diana. She says, if you have a voice, mm-hmm. you should use it. Mm-hmm. And I because, thought. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, and actually, I've never shut up since.
0: <laughs> well, <you laughs> and it's all her fault. <laughs> well, you might not have had an inspo quote, but what I'm taking away from this is do more Zumba.
2: And, <laughs> and eat more cake. Yeah, more cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and have it for yourself, Diana. Do you have an inspo quote that you hold dear?
1: Yeah. um I mean, we're all all terribly self-critical, aren't we? And, you know, I feel these little voices coming in all the time. And I think, no, you know, just um, be brave, deep breath and and push on, you know. And um, what I say in work is like every woman is the architect of her own success. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's simple, but... um, effective. Well in the I interest like of that. yeah and especially given your <laughs> architectural you, yeah, background. Yeah. 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 I love it.
0: <laughs> well you know just in, in the interest of International Women's Day, um, you know, I think it is really important to have positive reinforcement and to, you know, speak to and hear from role models like you. So I just want to thank you both so so much for, for coming along today and, and for giving me your time and your attention and it's just been amazing to speak to you. Thank you so much Judy Murray oh, and pleasure. thank you Diana Borland.
1: No thank you. It's been great. Lovely yeah. to meet you both. Yeah you
0: too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It's been great to have you here. If you do have maybe some of your own philanthropy tips or you have an intima quote that you'd like to share, then get in touch on Twitter at TVZaraJ using the hashtag AskForMore. Next week, we'll be joined by comedian Ashley Story and businesswoman Lynn Kennedy to find out how to use your voice. But until then, see you soon.